Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. We are in Genesis chapter 33. Um, so Genesis chapter 33. If you would turn there in your Bibles, what I want to do is I want to read the, fir- the whole chapter, give us kind of a, an idea of what's going on, uh, and then we'll talk about it. It's not that long. You'll be all right. Here we go. Now Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and then Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes, he saw the women and the children. He said, Who are these with you? And Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise, and her children drew near and bowed down. And last Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? And Jacob answered, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please, accept my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. Thus he urged him, and thus he took it. Then Esau said, Let us journey on our way, and I will go on ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the nursing flocks and herds are a care to me. If they are driven hard for one day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant. I'll lead on slowly at the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me and at the pace of the children until I come to my Lord at Seir or in Seir. So Esau said, Let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, What need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house, and he made booths for his livestock. Therefore the name of the place is called Succoth. And Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Padan Aram, and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he pitched his tent. And there he erected an altar, and he called it El Eli something Israel. (laughs) All right. Not too long. Yeah, we did good. All right, so let's uh, let's remind ourselves then of a little bit of context. You guys have been studying along, I suspect. Uh, what what has come before this chapter? In the beginning, guys. All right, you can skip ahead. <laughs> uh, regarding Jacob. In the beginning. Wrestled with God. Okay. Uh, that was what? That was what? one of his trials. What chapter was that? Uh, 32. 32. 32. Oh, before. Okay. Gets his name changed. Yeah. All right, has his name changed. That's in 32. Okay. I'm thinking, let's go back. So he's returning to the land of Israel. How did he leave the land of Israel? Although it's not called Israel, don't forget. All right, so he fled away from Esau. He had stolen the birthright from him. Uh, about how long earlier? Anyone know? 20 years. Yeah, 20 years earlier. Okay. Uh, he went to the the home of his mother's family, um, which is maybe three, four hundred miles away, um, approximately. His uncle Laban uh, was there. Uh, and now he is making his way back. And the whole wrestle with um, with God that, that uh, Chris pointed out, um, it's all connected with this. He's in fear. He's coming back to the land where he ran away from his brother. What's his brother going to do to him? If you look at chapter 32, verses 4 and following, uh, I think it's 32, it says, well, 3 says, And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my Lord, Thus, you, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have all kinds of oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord, nor that I may find favor uh, in your sight. So he reaches out. He's going to make up with his brother. Uh, look at verse 6. It says, The messengers returned. Uh, we came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to see you. 
Okay, so what do you think Jacob's thinking? Uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rutro, as uh, Astro would say, uh, or Scooby Doo, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay, I think they're both very Astro similar. Was yeah, it's Astro. Come on, get your cartoon dogs right. <laughs> I think they're both very similar. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look at verse seven. Uh, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Alrighty, and then look at verse thirty-one of chapter thirty-two. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. So he spent a night in prayer, and he was forever changed. So there's quite a bit going on as we come right into chapter 33. And so let's take a look. Verse 1 of chapter 33. Jacob lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, Esau was coming. All right, I can handle Esau. No. With 400 men with him. Who does uh, Jacob have with him? Women and children. Yeah, he's, he's got he's got some not an army of four hundred men. All right, um, and so he must be telling himself that the only reason Esau's coming with four hundred men is to attack him, get even for the wrong that he had done. Remember back in chapter twenty-seven, uh, when he stole the birthright from his brother. It says this in verse forty-one. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And it was based on that that his mom sent him away. And so, obviously, quote-unquote, Esau's coming out to get me, is what Jacob is concluding. Verse 2, Now he put his servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. Question. Ready? Is that good? What he did. <laughs> yeah, this question good. came up last week. <clears throat> did it? I'm sorry. No, no, because we everybody knew we were going to get there. Okay. Yeah, it seems kind of shady for the guy to stick the women and children out front when he thinks that somebody's coming to hurt him. But if you look at verse 4, 3, it says he himself went on before them. Oh, he did. Okay. Oh, he did. Right. Okay. So is it good to... Why do you say no, by the way? I said it's, it's a good idea to have the... The women and children at the rear, so that they, if they get attacked, they can flee. Okay. Um, so the fact that verse 3 says he went on ahead of them, that's good? You like that? Yeah, he's a man, and he's got to defend him. Okay. His, uh, his family. There must have been some other men there, right? Servants. Yeah, 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 but... And some of his sons were already... Luani? <coughs> no. Yeah, but you don't know how old 14, the servants 14, were, so yeah. oh, they could have. They, it doesn't say how, how old or what condition they were in. Sure, they're not an army. No. Yeah. Just, chapter thirty-two, verse five says that he had oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female mm-hmm. servants. Yeah, that's you know, that, that's going to five off a lot. Yeah. yeah so well, one of my notes says <laughs> that he arranged this in the order of their importance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Kind of That's the point yeah, I'm yeah, going to. Yeah, so you, you, you know, all right, you. I don't really care about you. And you're next, <laughs> and you're next, and you hold on, you wait. You know. So what do you think about that? Good, bad, bad, bad. Not good. I, I can't see anything good. Already, um, oh, this whole favoritism thing that yeah, is taking place in the marriage and Rachel and Lee and all that, it's just problems. Um, so I don't know what to tell them to do, but nonetheless, it's not, <laughs> not good. That. It reminds me of Pastor Scott Taransky when he was pastoring here. He prior to that he was teaching in Kenya, and some of his students in Bible college, prior to becoming Christians, had mul- married multiple wives, right. and so they asked the question, you know, so what should we do now? Yeah. You know, which one do you keep? Do you have an answer for that? You know, <laughs> like you don't, you know what I mean? So it's just a mess, but yeah. it's a messy mess. So. All right, verse three. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So, you know, you look at this idea of him uh, demonstrating the favoritism. That's not good. But it is good that he puts himself out there before them. Um, I was trying to find... He had a similar situation in another place where he put his family out in front and he went on the other side of the river. Well, that was right there, 32. That was with Laban. Oh, that's right, Thirty-two, twenty-two. That's right. Um, you know, so it seems that he's grown a little bit here. Maybe this wrestling with God has done something good in him. Um, but 
you know, he's sacrificing himself or he's putting himself out there to protect his family, so that's good. Notice also that he bows himself to the ground seven times, it seems, uh, praying. I mean, what else could they worshiping? You know, what else could there be? Um, now, people say that you shouldn't repeat your prayers. You ever heard that? Yeah, people say, you know, it's a lack of faith. You know, you already told God what he needs to hear, you know. Stop pestering him. And yet Jesus uses an example of an older lady, um, probably in the 60s or something, you know, an older woman, uh, who, uh, you know, pesters the judge. And he uses that as an example. So uh, it's okay to keep coming back, bringing our requests to the Lord, until the Lord essentially says, stop coming back here. Um, so... Um, well, then if he did it as he was going, he'd be like, oh, there's my brother. Okay, go ahead. Oh, he's got a lot of people with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> oh, right. Boy, there's a lot of weapons with those guys. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't the exact same prayer. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <coughs> now, verse 4 is, uh, you know, if this is a TV show, this is the unexpected <laughs> twist that you weren't expecting. It said Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept certainly not the reception Jacob had been uh, expecting so uh, Esau is not typically painted as a good guy in scripture um, New Testament basically Hebrews paints the picture of him being uh, consumed by his flesh and given to his flesh and so what do you think's going on in Esau here we got softened up by all the gifts that got sent ahead <laughs> Okay, go with that. Explain that a little more. So last week we talked about Jacob sending forward, you know, huge amounts of uh, uh, sheep, goats, Mm -hmm. camels. It wasn't a small gift that he sent forward. And he just sent them way up ahead before he was even going to show up. Okay. So basically softening them up. So he sees that and thinks, "Eh, I could live with this guy if I get all that wealth. Well, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, I, I said to the proverb, a, a soft word turns aside wrath. So, you know, okay, it's kind of good. All right, I got you. What were you going to say, Chris? Uh, no, I just think the Lord was just keeping his promise and, you know, changing it Esau's heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you think his heart has changed? There's for, no for scheming going on here on the part of Esau. doesn't seem like it. No, it doesn't. It seems like he's genuinely happy to see his brother perhaps there's a a level of you know clearly god has blessed this guy you know and that was the thing that kind of can't believe god he got the blessing you know that went through his mind forever and now he's seeing that you know so somehow he seems to have been changed um but what i like about it is there's no like hey let's set up a counseling appointment and work this thing out or whatever talk it out it's sort of like let's just Let's just move on. You know, we have our past. I know our past is in the past, so let's just move on together. So, um, and that you can't go to counseling, um, but anyway. Similar to the prodigal son, that verse. Mm. You're so smart. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's very similar to product, the prodigal son. Yeah, it is. Yeah, very good. All right, let's move on. Verse 5. Now, when Esau lifted up his... Did somebody want to add something? No, I just said good point to her. I was going to say, it looks like Jacob isn't coming back broke. <laughs> it's true. Wow. Embrace him, fell on his neck. Yeah, no, now, when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? And Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Remember, he went out alone um, all those miles and he came back uh, now with this big family. And then the servants drew near, they and their children, each of them bowed down, followed by Leah and then Joseph uh, and Rachel. Seems like a family reunion. You know, when you're meeting your cousins for the first time at my mom's uh, viewing, I met a lot of cousins that I didn't even know I had. You know, get kisses from old ladies. I don't even know who you are. You know, I'm your aunt. Oh, okay. You know, or whatever. Seems like a typical family reunion. All right, verse 8. Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I met? Um, now, I think he's referring to chapter 32, verse 14, what Mark pointed out a few minutes ago. So if you look back over at that chapter, it said that he sent a present ahead to his brother Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and rams, uh, 20 rams, uh, 30 milking camels. I don't even know they did that. Um, how do they teach those camels to milk? I don't know. <laughs> Why do they teach, teach them to smoke? 
Josh pointed out that we're the only country that eats that drinks cow milk too. Everybody else drinks other animals. Okay. Goat milk. Yeah. Thirty calves, forty cows, ten bulls, twenty female donkeys, and ten male donkeys. I I think he's referring to that. Uh, Esau is and. So Esau, he says, it's for you, it's a gift, you know. And, and Esau in verse 9 says, no, nah, I have plenty, I don't need it. Um, keep it for yourself. Now, that's an impressive statement. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at all that wealth that was associated there. Now, this isn't like a check, you know, that you can just put in your bank. There's a lot of work involved with all this wealth here, but I'm sure most people could figure out what to do with it. Uh, but I think it reveals a little bit more of Esau's character. I asked the question earlier was, is he scheming something here? Is he going to lure him in and then like imprison him? I don't know, or something like that. But it doesn't seem like it. Um, it seems genuinely. He's like, I got enough. I don't need anything else. I'm just happy you're here. That that's sort of a response. What do you think about that? I was reading that um, Jacob wanted him to take it really bad because uh, if you give it to your enemy and accepts your gift, then he's pretty much over what happened. It's, it's a an enemy would not accept the gift. Right. And so, yep, you're absolutely right. Does that make sense, everyone? Mm-hmm. So in that culture, enemy couldn't accept the gift, you know, but by accepting it, bygones be bygones, we move on. Well, also, so. so Isaac was not a poor man either. So when Jacob went, he went with nothing, and, and Esau was technically left behind to take care of that stuff. I'm sure that he, you know, Isaac probably started to, do, you know, give some of that stuff to Esau so he wasn't probably Hurting. strapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, good point. He does say there, I have plenty. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which may well, he has have, 400 men too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. May have possibly softened his heart a little bit because he wasn't destitute. Yeah. I'm doing okay. So it's just a yeah, yeah. Better, you know, that That's right. Which, is, so, which gets back to the whole, the whole blessing. thing that he was really about losing the physical blessing, right. whereas the promise was passed down. To, you know, yeah, the blessing, blessing was passed. Mm-hmm. Talked about last week. Are Isaac and Rebecca dead at this point? No. No. Which is something that our pastor said. Jacob may never see his father alive again. And he did. He did. I don't know if he saw his mother. Mm. He saw his father though. I don't think Rebecca's dead. So, all right, let's move on. Verse ten. Now Jacob said, "No, please. If I have found favor in your sight." Then accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you've accepted me. Please accept my blessing, because God has dealt graciously with me. So again, going back to what Chris said, um, it's an opportunity for them to to make up. And by him accepting that gift, we've made up. Um, so he urges him to do so, and Esau then eventually does. Now we're starting to get a twist. <laughs> So in verse 12, Esau says, hey, let's go home. You know, let's journey on our way, and, and I'll go ahead of you a little bit, my group of people and you guys, and so on. Now, I don't know if this means anything, but it caught my attention. Um, Jacob put Rachel all the way in the back to honor Rachel all the way in the back um, to protect her, I guess you might say. So is this a statement on Esau's part? Look, you guys pull up the rear is sort of a statement of honoring uh, Jacob. I don't know necessarily, but um, nonetheless, he says, let's go together. Let's make our way back um, to my home and and you can live there. I'm not sure if that's where uh, Jacob left. Anybody know if that's the place that he left when he? No. No, but it's where Esau now lives. Yeah, because if you look at the map, Sierra, he lives down in Edom. Right, right. That's on the... West south side of that whole the Dead Sea. Yeah, Jacob was... left from the other side. He went up to Bethel and then and then from there. Yeah. Okay, so it's in Lenore. So is, he invites. Which isn't Sierra and Edom isn't the Promised Land either. So no, Jacob you're right. With him back there, it was not the. Uh, we're, yeah, bring that up in a minute, okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, verse thirteen. But Jacob said to him, "My Lord knows that the children are frail, the nursing flocks and herds too dangerous." He says. Everyone's uh, going to die at that pace, and so you go ahead, I'll catch up. Um, now, Jacob has no intention, it seems, of going to Seir. And so he says, I'm coming. As we, I don't, yeah, I do have a map. Can I show you this here? Let's see, how do I do this? 
Did you switch that channel, um, yep, John? Yep, all, all right, I'm looking at it. So mirror, is one of the options on their mirror? No, it's just supposed to come up. Oh, great googly muggly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. So, uh, this is what's circled there. That's Sukkoth. That's the first place that uh, Jacob will go to. We don't know where he and Esau run into one another. Um, I assume it's north and east of them. Uh, I don't have an arrow, but you can figure it out. You went to school. North and east of them because he's coming that direction. Uh, maybe it's east of them over more toward where Jordan would be um, in that area. I think that's the wrong side of the Jordan. My Bible has not just like do. Yeah, that sucketh. I think okay. it's the other side. And then, well, I'm telling you, that's what it says. And then, let me go to the oh, next one. Over there is where Shechem is, where they gotcha, crossed gotcha. the Jordan. Gotcha. But he, down here is where, um, what's his name says? Let's go down there, uh, Esau says. We'll go down. Now notice, it's south of the Dead Sea. It's outside of what would be the Promised Land exactly. Um, so anyway, Esau begins to make his way there. And instead of going down there following him, uh, he goes there. Oh, all right. Well, he didn't follow him very far. He didn't follow him at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he he lied to him um, <laughs> no. you know, about this. <laughs> all right. His name is Jacob. Now, you might say, well, you know what? He, he's got this big family. He's just resting in Sukkoth or something like that. But he buys land there, and he begins to set up shop there. Uh, and then eventually makes his way uh, to Shechem where he, he really buys additional land uh, and so on. So it doesn't seem like he has any intention to follow Esau. Um, how come? Well, he's not supposed to go there. Okay, so maybe he's trying to obey the Lord? Yeah. All right, because, and why is he not supposed to go there? Because he was told to go home to his, go home to the promised land. Okay. Canaan, not Edom. All right, so he's outside of the promised land. So that's cool, but what did he still do wrong? He lied. He lied to him. You know, and sometimes we we lie about that, and we are not following the Lord. We don't trust the Lord fully. Maybe a little bit we trust him, but not fully. Um, it seems he's back to his conniving ways. Remember, Jacob means deceiver. Uh, and yes, he had that great experience with the Lord in chapter 32. He wrestled with God and God really uh, touched him and changed him. He, he limped from that point on. And yet, you know, 400 men come up to you and you rely on the flesh again. You go right back to where you were before. And so um, his name was changed to Israel, which we know means... Several was, things. Okay. <laughs> it could mean prince of God or governed by God, things like that. Um, and so his name was changed to Israel, but he himself wasn't fully changed to an Israel um, governed by God. He's still a little bit controlled by himself and his own scheme. That name only shows up when he's dealing in the spirit instead of the you flesh, know, right? You know, we looked at that, yeah. and we're not sure, does it? Yeah, usually. That's what but I think usually, like, almost, not yeah. not every single time, but many times, you're right. Because it's only, it does. only calling that a couple times, right? Yeah, the, the name of the place that he does, he names it Israel. El Elohi Israel. So he names it after his new name. It wasn't El Elohi Jacob. Right, sure. My, my Bible translates that God the God of Israel. So he's basically yeah. taking it for himself, right? If his new name is Israel, he's saying God, my God. Yeah, the God of Israel, God of me. Yeah. All right, we move on. Verse 15 Esau. I wonder if he gives him like that eye, you know, like raise the eye. What's going on here? He said, let me uh, leave a couple guys with you. They can help you. And he said, no, I'll be good. You know, you go. Or whatever. So it seems Esau might be suspecting. I mean, I guess Jacob can go anywhere he wants to go. You know, it's not like, you're not my dad. I can go anywhere I want to go. Could have been sincerely wanted to offer him protection. Maybe. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. But. Either way, he says, let me leave some guys. And Jacob's like, well, if he leaves some guys, then I can't, my plan can't go through. So he said, no, no, you go. <laughs> so as it says in verse 16, Esau went down south to Seir. Jacob journeys inland. Oh, well, he starts heading into Israel. 
um, what will become Israel. First to Succoth, uh, which is on the east side of the Jordan River, um, which begs the question, why is he setting up shop there outside of the land of Israel? It's just backslidden. a temporary thing? Yeah, it is. It's backslidden a little. It's only booths. It's only what? Well, it's only booths. Only booths. So that's temporary. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what Succoth means, by the way, booths. Right. Like uh, tents or something like, like that. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then we see verse 18, Jacob then picks up and leaves there, goes to the city of Shechem, which now is in the land of Canaan, as it says, uh, on his way from Padanaram, and he camped before the city. Uh, and from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he pitched his tent. All right, so now he makes his way into the promised land to Shechem, and everything is great, isn't it? It will not. Did everybody read ahead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it will not be great. Let's talk a few things here. So Shechem is the name of a town, but it's also the name of a guy. Um, Shechem's dad is Hamor, you see that. Uh, and he is, according to the next chapter, verse 2, it says he is the prince of the land. All right, Hamor. Now, some people say Shechem is the prince, Hamor is the king. It could be really either the word for prince there basically refers to ruler, so uh, it, it applies to either of them. But nonetheless, Shechem is both a man and a um, city. Uh, and so I wonder, is there anything wrong with living in Shechem? It's a Canaanite city. Well, the whole land is Canaanite, right? They they they, own, it's not Israel yet. They only own two pieces of land now. Who owns two pieces of land? Israel slash Jacob slash Isaac. And what do they own? They own the land where the burial cave is. Okay. That they bought from the Hittite. Uh huh. And they own this little piece of land when you Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, so this is, it's all still Canaan, Paul. Okay. Already they haven't uh, taken over yet. Um, Shechem is within the confines of what God promised to the children of Israel, so that's good, right? Okay. However, look back to chapter 28. So God said, I want you to go back to, you know, the land. In chapter 28, verse 20, this is when Jacob had the dream of the ladder going up into heaven, you may recall, right when he was leaving to go to Laban, his uncle. And it said, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. Now that was the city of Bethel. Bethel is not Shechem. It's a different place um, altogether. Bethel south of Shechem. Yeah, And so... His vow to God was, hey, look, if, if all these things that God said he was going to do happen, and I go away, and when I come back, you know, I have all these things, then I'll come back to this stone that I just set up here in the city of Bethel, and I'll, I'll make it the, the house of God, or whatever. And now he comes and he settles in Shechem. And so I think you can make a case that Shechem is less than God's best for him, or God's desire, and that he's not fulfilling his vow, at least not yet. Uh, at this time here by going to Shechem. Did he say he would go back to his father's house or come back, if God would bring him back to his father's house or bring him back to Bethel? He says, if I come back to this place, um, if if God does all these things for me and I come back again to my father's house in peace, then I will set up a a temple here at this rock. There, there, okay. Um, at this stone that he set up. Because it's weird that he didn't just keep, yeah, he didn't keep going down because I'm sure his father was down there somewhere in Beersheba. Blah, blah, blah. Why, didn't he, why didn't he go all the way down? Well, we know this about Shechem. Shechem was a thriving city. Hmm. Um, it, it was a very fertile land, so that would work well for his animals and, and all that stuff that he yeah, had with him. Still What's that? He still got the household gods. got to get rid of. I don't he's know. sell them there. I don't know about that. (laughs) So, I I think he's allured by the life that is there in Shechem. And so he sets up shop there. Sounds really familiar. Like what? It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. And how Lot looked and it was pleasing and it 
fertile and a lot he's of green. He's peace now. He should be able to go back now that he's good with his brother. Yeah, but he doesn't. Yeah. Um, and we know this about Shechem. Shechem is the place of the most unfortunate circumstance where his daughter is raped by uh, the prince of Shechem. Uh, and I, again, I think it represents less than God's best. It looks good. It may make sense uh, financially, um, professionally, all these things. Um, but ultimately, it's not what God want, wanted for him. And it doesn't fulfill the vow that he established as well. And uh, I think you can make a case that Shechem is sort of like the world. You know, and it looks nice. And I can still be a Christian and I can kind of dip my toe in because he doesn't go into the city. He sets up on the outskirts of the city. And he, he gets close to it. I, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I can't go there. Um, and yet, as we're going to see, it all sort of uh, it damages. If you look at verse 35, after the incident of, excuse me, chapter 35, after the incident of Dinah, his uh, daughter, God said to Jacob, arise, get up, and go to Bethel and dwell there. Yeah. That's, the, that's the place where the stone was set up. It's like, you know what, you got to move on. But he's moving on with all of this pain and all this hurt, and all yeah. of the problems uh, that came with it. And so God tells him to go to the place he vowed. So let me ask you a question. Does God require adherence to the vows that we make? Sure. Yeah. Yes. 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 Ananias and Sapphira. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he does, yeah. Uh, for those who, anyone not know what happened to those two? Didn't end well. It didn't. <laughs> All right, they lied about uh, what they gave to God, and they were struck down dead. Ecclesiastes five says, I think it's chapter five. I may have it wrong because I definitely know it's not verse fifty-five, uh, which is what I wrote. Anyway, it says, "It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay." It's better that you, better that you should not vow than that you vow and not pay. There's over uh, there's about thirty biblical references to the idea of vowing. Um, and the consequences. Most of those are found in the Old Testament. Most of them are found in the book of Leviticus and Numbers. Make it very clear that there are dire consequences for the Israelites who made vows and then broke those vows, especially vows that were made to God, the dire consequences. Judges chapter 11 gives us an example of a guy that made a foolish vow, uh, about to go off into battle, and he said, Lord, Whatever passes through my door first, I will sacrifice to you. Well, what did he expect was going to come through the door? Well, it's Saul uh, and Jonathan. Saul and Jonathan. Which one's that? Where he said that no one should eat until we win this yeah. battle. It was then, a dumb idea. And then they let him kill him. So, uh, we need to be careful. Now, as far as a Christian, as uh, my friend Colleen pointed out, Jesus gave us a new commandment regarding vows. He said, again, you've heard that it was said, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths that you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, and you, you can't even make a hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So it seems it's pretty clear that Christians don't need to be valid. Now, are you allowed to get married and say vows to your partner and things like that? I certainly uh, think that's okay. I'm against vows in the wedding ceremony or whatever. But just this general idea of taking vows and so on. First, uh, we're unable to know for sure whether we'll be able to even keep our vows. You know, how do I know what the, my future holds for me? And if I'm going to have the, either the finances to do it or the physical health to do what I say I'm going to do or whatever. So that's one. Secondly, uh, we don't know what the future brings. Only God does. Uh, James chapter 4. Uh, that's the one that says, we're going to go to this city and then that city. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to make a profit. And he said, you don't even know what tomorrow holds. And then again, Jesus said, let your yes be yes, your no be no. And that's what it should mean. You have my word. I don't have to, I swear to God, man. I swear to God. Like, I should just believe you because you told me that you always tell the truth. Well, that's why some so, people won't swear in a Bible if they're being sworn in. Yeah. So, so it was witnesses or somebody said that they had Yeah, I think it's Jehovah's Witnesses. But, um. Even now, though, the government, they allow for you that you can affirm, you don't have to swear or whatever if, if you're not comfortable necessarily with pledging and so on. Yeah. You ever go to court and see that? No. No, you could say, do you swear or affirm, they say. You uh, say, I affirm. I've heard the firm. Yeah. There you go. I think I don't hear them swear. That's the reason why. You don't hear it at all anymore? I don't even hear it when people say it for some reason. Oh, okay. It, it, 
someone says, man, I swear to God, so I'm like, I don't even hear you. Huh. For some reason, it just goes right in my head. If someone says, oh, Greg said he swears, I'm like, well, here's a question. What if you have made a vow foolishly and now realize you can't um, or maybe shouldn't keep it? Um, if you're a woman, if you're a woman in your father's house, you can be released from it. Okay. Can, he, and, and I think a husband can, in the Old Testament, right. could, yeah. and a husband could, could could vote for your vote. Okay. All right, here in the New Testament. <laughs> All right, so any one of us, men, women, uh, you say a vow, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or uh, whatever, it was something you can't keep now. Are you bound to keep it? Like, what's the scoop? You should keep it. You should or shouldn't? You should keep it, yeah. Okay. If all possible. Well, yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking if it's something that's sinful for you to keep uh, in one way or another. I can't think of an example necessarily. Like, you know, not a vow that God actually would well, honor. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think you confess that as sin. God yeah. should have never said it, you know, or whatever. And then you you kind of move on from there. Um, but anyway, a broken vow, you messed up or whatever, it's not unforgivable. God can forgive everything. Right. Uh, and you confess it as such, and you, you move on from there. All righty? All right, let's move on. Verse 20. And there he erects uh, an altar, and he calls the name of the altar, altar El Elihe Israel. Did I say it somewhere right, you think? Elohi. 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 There you go. Make it, make it Hawaiian. Yeah. There you go, sure. <laughs> now, um, it's nice that he built an altar, isn't it? Yeah. Shechem needs God, too. Yeah, I guess they do, but <laughs> he still should be obeying the Lord uh, as well. You know, and sometimes we think, you know, well, I go to church or whatever. You know, I get drunk on Saturday nights, but I go to church on Sunday morning, and so it's okay or whatever. And we think we can bring a little bit of God into our worldliness and that everything will be right um you know i'm reminded there's the verse i don't know if i wrote it down yeah it's in first samuel 15 it says hath the lord such great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen to god is better than the fat of rams and so the altar's nice i'm glad he built an altar and all that but ultimately what god would desire is his obedience uh in these things all righty so that is Chapter 33. So now they're living on the outskirts of Shechem, a nice suburban tent they put up or whatever. And let's go on. Let's read the first 12 verses of 34. It says, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock out in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came, and Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now the sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard it, and the men were indignant and very angry, because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. But Hamor spoke with him, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us. Take all our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us, and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it. Get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and gift as you will. And I'll give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. Sad story, yeah. um, certainly. Now, this is the first time we're introduced to the fact that Jacob has a daughter. Um, and we learn her name, and her name is Dinah. Now, we know that Jacob had, at this point, 11 sons um, to four different women. Um, and so... Uh, who's this Dinah girl, and where does she come from, and how come she wasn't mentioned before? I think it was mentioned. Yeah, it was. It wasn't mentioned? Yeah, I think so. I'm sorry, forgive me. 30 or 31. Okay. Um, well. I'm trying to figure out. He must have lived in Shechem for a while. Why? 
because he only started having kids 14 years ago from this point. Right? He served for seven years, then he got married, and then he started having kids. Yeah. And then he served another seven years, years yeah. and then another six years. Okay. So, is it? so, so he must have been living there for a little while right, if they're men. Right, because the maximum she could be 30, is how many kids were there before she was born? Was she like fifth? Where is it at, guys? 3021. 30, Her name means judgment. 30, 20, so how many kids were born before that? Well, she was born after Zebulun. So is that how many? Um, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar. It was ten. Ten, and then she's the. Okay, so she's ten sons, and then her. So she may only have been ten years old when they moved. Yes. So it says there. It talks about uh, she's a young woman and this girl um, there. So a young girl. So at least two or three years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, thank you for finding her verse there. Uh, her uh, her name mentioned there. I forgot about that. Uh, but I, I will say this: it's not uncommon. He, there may have been many of other girls that were born in the family just as many as the boys that were born um, it was a patriarchal society in which the lineage was traced through the men and so that's why the, the girls oftentimes weren't mentioned unless they come up in the story a little bit later on and that's probably why Dinah is mentioned in that chapter uh, previously alrighty now um, as we said she's probably she's probably not a woman in the sense of how we would think of um, you know right. 20, 25 years old, um, but rather that she's a girl. We don't know how little of a girl she is. And then what we see with the sons do means that they were probably a little bigger, too. Yeah. Later on yeah. And so that's also a good point, that right. they have to be in Shechem for a length of time. Um, maybe 10 years. Maybe, you know, Who knows how long that they're there. It's interesting, where it says in verse 1, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she'd born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land, um, the phrase there, to see, or the, that word there, to, it means to look at, um, obviously, to observe, to gawk at. Um, so it's as if she sort of wanted to get into town and kind of see what's going on in the town. Um, it seems that it's like a seedy situation that she wants to kind of take in. Um, and so... She, she puts herself, and again, she may be a young girl, but she, she puts herself in this place that allows her to be vulnerable to attack. Now, I am not blaming her for being raped. Um, like, nobody certainly deserves that. Um, though, there are circumstances that a person can place themselves in where they can get themselves into Absolutely. trouble. How um, old are you saying? She's about 12 or 13? Well, she, yeah, she's probably she's in that child. ballpark. She's child. She's a kid, yeah, and I know that you know women get married younger and all that kind of stuff, but she's young. Um, her parents it's like that gorilla on TV thing should have known where her daughter was, you know she go play in the un the big scary city with you know the crazy people that are running around there. Nobody thinks this is wrong in the society, you know that's all right you know, how much do you want to make the mistake go away kind of thing. So it's just a bad place. And so she ends up there, and as it says in verse 2, Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, seized her, lay with her, and humiliated um, her or raped her. Um, now, I don't know how little she was. Let's just assume she was a woman or a young woman. Um, it's not necessarily wrong that Shechem was attracted to a woman. Um, but he has to bring that attraction under control. He can't just go and do what he wants and pursue an inappropriate relationship uh, as he does here. Um, and then ultimately, you know, same thing we saw with Lot. His family got in trouble because he saw and made a decision as to where to live based on what appealed to his senses, if you will. I can make a lot of money. You know, Sodom's a great place. Look how fertile the land is. And the same idea is with Jacob here. Uh, and now look what's happened to his daughter. You know, And I wonder if somebody were to say, sure, you can have all that wealth, but you know what's going to happen to your kids, don't you? And if he would have said, well, I won't live there. 
you know, it's not worth it. I don't want to trade that. I certainly don't think he said, well, that's all right. I, that's worth it. No, he wouldn't say that, you know, but we don't think about that. Anyway, verse 3, his soul was drawn to Dinah, that is, Shechem. He loved the young woman, and he spoke tenderly to her. The word love there is, um, the, the, it's a human appetite for something. So you could interchangeably put a word like lusted after um, there, which is clearly what he did. Um, because if he really loved her, he would have treated her in a way that was best for her. But since he lusted after her, he treated her in a way that was best for him, or that satisfied him. Um, it's, it says that he spoke tenderly to her. I wrote down, it's a little late for that. Um, you know, he, he humiliated her. Um, verse 4, Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Sounds like Sam. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get me yeah. this girl. If your kid said that the other day, my kid, this was kind of funny. Whenever My kids growing up, whenever they said the wrong, they said something the wrong way to us, you know, like, hey, give me that. You know, we would always say, try again. Could I please have the milk? You know, like, and they, they just learned that. So the other day, my son was out front in his car waiting for his brother, and he sends me a text, because his brother doesn't have a phone, sends me a text that says, get Luke. And so I sent a text back, try again. And he said, please get Luke or whatever. I was like, that's much better. You know, so this guy here, get me this girl for my wife. His dad should have said, try again. Wait, is he driving by his own now? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. saw him. I passed. Oh, wow. <laughs> How did he do? Was he doing all right? He did fine. He okay, good. Fine. I saw him too on Route 1. He went right by me. He's, yeah, we, <laughs> we tend to. <laughs> Maddie. Said, Maddie, let's see if we can catch up to him. <laughs> he couldn't, yeah, yeah. Hey, couldn't keep up with him. Did you know that everybody at church knows you and they all have camera phones? <laughs> 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 Anyhow, um, you know, this little statement, get me this girl from my wife, you know what it reminded me of is the, the Kennedy clan. And, and not just the Kennedys, I'm sure lots of people do this, but sort of this really wealthy family, lots of power, do whatever they want, get themselves into trouble, and somebody comes around and cleans it up or whatever um, in one way or another. Uh, and, you know, I wrote down a wealthy mom or dad covering the indiscretions of their son or daughter. And nothing comes good from shielding the child from the consequences of their actions, and yet it, the dad seems to jump right at it, and he does it. Uh, just keep doing it. You keep keep going back to the same thing over and over again. And probably bigger, never bigger, bigger. Lesson, yeah. Oh, that affluent, that, yeah. Affluenza. Yeah. Uh, poor kid. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Everybody know what about the kid with affluenza? Yeah. You know about this kid? Mm -hmm. yeah. He got in a drunken car accident or something like that, and the defense in the court case, this is in Texas, people? killed four people. The defense was because the kid was raised in wealth and privilege, he didn't know the difference between right and wrong and oh, thus can't be held yes. responsible for his actions. <laughs> oh, wow. So they named a the disease. Yeah, he had the disease affluenza. So. And then when he got convicted, his mom took him out of America, brought him down to Mexico to avoid uh, prison. I think I didn't hear yeah, about that. Crazy. He was on the news. Yeah. All right, verse 5. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock in the field. So he may have wanted to respond right there, you know, but there's a whole city of people, and I'm the outsider, you know, I'm sitting here by myself. Um, that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, perhaps he was sort of like, mm, what am I going to do kind of thing. And like, you better do something. You're the dad. You know, freak out. Do something. Or whatever. That would be more of a negative um, look at Jacob. Anyway, verse 6, Hamor, the father of Shechem, he went out to Jacob uh, to speak uh, to him. Hey, you know what? We've had this unfortunate matter between our kids. You know, maybe we could work it out or whatever. Doesn't seem like he really understands the significance of what happened here. It's interesting, though, that the that the, new, the when the law starts getting laid out, this is actually the provision. What is? If a man rapes a young woman, then he has to marry her. Yeah. Okay. And if he doesn't, and I think there's deaths and other things. Yeah, I'm going to share a verse with you later. Um, uh, it's in Deuteronomy, I think. I'm not saying it makes the situation any better, but it. Imagine if they did that now. At least her, <laughs> yeah. I guess her honor could be restored if she gets married. Right. Or because she, well, in that culture in particular, wouldn't be able to marry another. Yeah. 
And so, all right, well, we'll come back to that, okay? Uh, so anyway, verse 7, the sons of Jacob, they come in from the field. They hear of it. They're indignant. They're very angry uh, because this was an outrageous thing that was done to their um, sister um, and so on and so forth. Now, verse 8, Hamor spoke with them saying, the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Make marriages with us. Give and take, you know, daughters and so on. Dwell in our land by you know, all that stuff that we, we looked at and we read there. Um, again, doesn't seem like he realizes just how significant of an offense that this was. Seems that, you know, just with a little bit of money, we can make the problem go away. Um, never apologizes for the action of his son. Um, yeah, right. Just offers some cash there. Um, and his proposal is one subtle example of Satan's attempt to taint the messianic seed because Jacob's family is through whom the messianic uh, line would come. Uh, And so now we have, we didn't read this, so let's read from verse 13. Now the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. They said to him, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. Only on the condition will we agree with you that you become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to ourselves and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Now these words pleased Hamor and Hamor's sons Shechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing, because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. What a nice guy. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of the city, spoke to the men of the city, and said, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land, trade in it, for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let's take their daughters as wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition, however, will the men agree to dwell with us. Every male among us must be circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? See, I think after verse 22, the people are like, what? And then he's like, no, let me tell you. All of their livestock will be ours. Their property will be ours. Their beasts will be ours. Just let us agree with them, and they'll dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of the city listened to Hamor and his son, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate. Now verse 25. Now on the third day, when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords, came against the city while it felt secure, and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword, and they took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. And they took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys, and whatever was in the city and in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in their houses, they captured and they plundered. Okay, let's go back and take a look at that. Now, Jacob's sons here, uh, and they come, and immediately they, they come up with a plan. They're angry, very angry, it says. They're indignant. Joseph, uh, excuse me, Jacob doesn't respond in this way. Um, David Guzik said, When God appointed heads do not take appropriate leadership, it creates a void which is often filled sinfully. And it's an interesting thing to consider that would the circumstances have been different if Jacob intervened, but he doesn't. His sons do. Uh, they develop a scheme to get even with Shechem for his uh, offense. Notice the scheme involves a deceptive plan. Where do you think they learned to be so deceptive? What? Chip off the old block? Yeah, they learned from their dad. When was the last time? When was the last time Jacob had deceived someone? <laughs> Just about yeah. half an hour earlier, right? <laughs> so no doubt they were standing there next to their dad when their dad said, yeah, we'll be right after you, Esau. And then Esau got out of view, and they start going the other direction. And he has to explain to his kids, yeah, we're not going with Uncle Esau. He's a loon. We're going this way over here. But, Dad, you told Uncle Esau you were going with him. Eh, don't worry about it, you know, or whatever. So they're seeing their dad. And, you know, kids pick up and, I think, magnify what their parents do. You know, so they observe what you do, and they think, well, you know, my parents, they have one beer. I can have six or whatever. And they just observe it, and they see it. And more if is you're, caught than taught. More is caught than taught. You know, so if your kids are watching you lie to get out of this or 
deceived to do this or to go down this particular path, just be really careful. Now, you're not perfect, I know. None of us are. But um, there are ways to avoid, you know, these purposeful type sins um, like this. And so we need to be careful. Um, so they deceive Hamor uh, and the others. Notice they use the sign, the God-given covenant of circumcision, the sign of circumcision, um, as their means of deception. You ever watch those old, like, mob movies or whatever? You shouldn't if you do, by the way. <laughs> but if you ever watch those old movies, it's often, like, an Italian guy, and they're Catholic or whatever, you know, and they're plotting a murder, you know, but hey, 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 not in the church. <laughs> and they go outside of the church or whatever. There's, like, this idea of there's a respect for the religion or whatever it may be. And yet these guys use religion as part of their deception. And it just seems like it, it's a lack of respect on their part um, for this whole sign of the covenant. And so they tell him you have to be circumcised. Now circumcision was, was a unique sign of the covenant for the Jewish people. But the Jewish people weren't the only people that practiced circumcision. Um, they were, however, uh, pretty much the only people in that region that did. Uh, and so... Um, you know, when they suggested it to Shechem and, and Hamor, they'd probably heard of circumcision before, um, just never done it, obviously. And so they say, uh, okay. Um, notice verse 18, their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son, and the young men did not delay uh, to do this um, thing. Uh, we'll do whatever you need just so we can marry this girl. This kid was never told no, it seems, and that was a problem. Uh, then verse 20, they convinced the, the rest of the town and following um, to do it as well. Um, it seems as if this whole deal is not just to get a daughter for a daughter-in-law for his son, but also to really take advantage of uh, Jacob and his family and eventually acquire their wealth and all that. And he throws that in there to sweeten uh, the pot. Uh, verses 25 and following... Um, it talks about this city of Shechem and that they went and they killed you know, all of the men that were there. Shechem, we don't know how big it was. We do know historically that it was a city of significant size, that it was on a trade route. So there may have been a good number of people uh, that were there, but you know, it wasn't like New York City you know, or it's something like that. a lot of like people that. for two dudes to... Yeah, well, I guess it's like going into the hospital beds or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. So these guys can't fight back. Um, and did we read 27 and following? I don't know. Then the sons of Jacob, oh yeah, we did. They plundered them. Um, now, they, as far as they're concerned, were at war with these guys. And that's part of you know what you did. they used to do back then. They would plunder um, the cities and so on. Um, certainly an extreme scheme for what occurred. You know, um, Mark pointed out, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 25. It said in that chapter, 22, 25, it says that the penalty for rape was that the man that lay with her should die um, in 22, 25. So here you have the entire city being destroyed. You know, it's over the top um, here. But anyhow, they do that. Then Jacob finds out. He says to Simeon and Levi, you've brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, the Perizzites. My numbers are few. If they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my whole household. And they answer, but Dad, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? You can see the conversation. You can like imagine it happening. Yeah. I want you to draw attention. I want to draw attention, I should say, uh, to this. Um, I'll emphasize certain words. Verse 30. You have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my whole household. You know, his concern really is what effect this is going to have on him in so many ways. Now, certainly, that's going to spill over to his, his kids, but... You know, his concern wasn't, how do I get justice for Dinah in a way that God would approve? I mean, these guys think they got justice by killing everyone. Um, his concern should have been the fact that the entire people of Shechem were wrong for the actions of two people in Shechem, or one person, really. Uh, his concern should have been 
the fact that he has a bunch of scheming, deceitful kids that are his offspring, but that's not his concern, uh, and how he should teach them to respond in God's way. Those things should have been his concern, but ultimately it seems his concern is what kind of effect is this going to have on me. And then in verse 31, the guys respond, well, what else should we have done? Not that. Um, <laughs> what do you think they should have done? Story. Yes. Yeah. What do you think they uh, should have done? I think they should have probably said, well, you want, if you want to work it out, then bring Hamor out here and this is how we deal with it or whatever. But not the whole city. Right. You know, and certainly the deception and all that is not good. Well, you know, they weren't going to let that happen. All right, so why is this chapter 34 in the Bible? What redeeming quality does this chapter have for us? Yes, sir. Um, decisions we make can um, affect others and not maybe in our own intention, but um, we can snowball into something that can harm other people. So the decision of whom? Jacob. Jacob in uh, chapter 33 to go live there. Yeah. You think that's the the lesson that we learned from this? At least one of them. Okay. My, the notes in my Bible say that the tawdry details of the abuse of Dinah and the revenge of Levi and Simeon are recounted in full, perhaps in order to highlight for the readers about to enter Canaan, how easily Abraham's descendants might intermingle and marry with Canaanites, contrary to God's will. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it paints the picture of the land. Yeah. And if you take, go to the 20,000-foot value, God's going to work the circumstances to get you to where he wants you. So this is what he did, is he mm. let this circumstance happen and now he's become a stench and he's going to have to, because then you see right Move south to Bethel. Yeah, get out of there. Mm-hmm. Now, there's okay. no men to kill him, though, so I don't know what he was... Well, there was other towns. Neighboring oh, towns right, and towns. so on. That's right. Okay. He used the sin for good because he yeah. wouldn't want them to intermingle. Right. You know. So his purposes were accomplished either way. He didn't um, do that. So. Well, were they? Because they, they took all the... When they plundered, they took all the, the women in the city. Yeah, I don't know if they married him or anything. Maybe they made him servants or something. Yeah. Um, uh, this chapter is not positive for the nation of Israel. And uh, a lesson, a reminder is that the Bible is very honest. You know, I think I shared a story with you how a Muslim guy read through the Bible and he said, you know, I believe it. He said, because the Jews are ha- terrible in the Bible. If, <laughs> if they actually wrote it, they would have painted this picture that they're wonderful people. But, you know, they're not always, the Bible's very honest and, and open about these things. But this is not a very positive chapter, certainly, and you shouldn't look at it as, as such that it is. But I, I do think there's the lesson that is learned, among other things, uh, and that is you know, there are consequences for our actions that I think, and again, my wife and I, we talk about this a lot, if, if somebody could look back at the decision they made 10 years ago and, you know, it's a big one usually, and the effect that it would have, that ripple effect all the way down the line, they would never do that, that thing that they did, you know, and, and so be careful. I have a, a real-life scenario. Um, I'm a teacher, and um, my students are pulled out of other classes to attend my lessons. And our policy is if you have a test, you stay in your class, take your test. So the student, third week in a row, Mr. C, I have a test. Okay. So I'm graceful. I'm like, this is three weeks in a row. So I email the teacher, hey, you're not happen to having a test seventh period today. No. Thank you. So she had an A in the class. Um, they have to hand in practice sheets, which they get graded for. So since she missed the last three lessons, she hasn't handed in her practice sheet. So I, and all the grades are online. They can check it at any time. So I conveniently put a U for today's lesson because she lied to me. And then the three practice sheets she owes me, she hasn't handed them in yet. Those are U's right now. So I'm waiting for the parents to call me. Okay. So? Well, I'll see how she handles it. The she consequences. Has, she has know. the right attitude. Be like, all right. Yeah, give lesson a little grace. Well, I mean, right. do a little extra and we'll, we'll, we'll forget about that. But it's also quite possible, how dare you do this to my kid? No problem. A plus. 
Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I know, <laughs> I know what you would do, but because <laughs> no, we talked about if, it. You know, if they're not going to do the right thing, it's like, all right, well, you're going to, you're going to have harder problems. You know, yeah, you're, down the line. You're not going to allow her to learn this lesson here. Good luck. <laughs> so. I think it was also good that you brought up the, the fact that this was there's a spiritual warfare going on here. Mm-hmm. You know, God was, Satan was using these people to try mm-hmm. to, you know, basically dissolve yeah. the whole. Israel line. Yep. Well, we did two chapters. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. All right, good work, everyone. Let's pray. I know that you, you can go. Yeah. Father, we, uh, we thank you for uh, the word. Lord, we don't always understand why every single chapter is in there. Maybe uh, if we were writing it, we'd keep certain things out. But Lord, uh, all scriptures God breathe, and it is useful for us. And so we do pray that you would. Lord, help us to learn the lesson of this particular chapter, these chapters. And Lord, uh, give us insight, spiritual insight, Lord, to make decisions with wisdom, Lord, as we uh, we seek to run the race with you. Lord, uh, we know that we've set examples for our kids or others to observe that may not always be uh, to their benefit. And we do pray you would protect them from us, really. Lord, we confess those things that are not of you. Lord, you know our tendency to go back to the old man and our flesh, Lord, as we deal with uh, things. And, uh, Father, we just want to be governed by God. We want to walk in your ways as you would have us to. And so, Lord, continue to do a good work within us. Change us into the image of your Son. And, Lord, that you might be glorified in all things, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.